Hey everybody, quick note, March 2nd, the day of the Oscars, I will be doing a Google Hangout, possibly with Tim Long. Please come join us, look for details on the Facebook and Twitter page. Thanks. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast, I'm Alex. I'm Willie. And I'm Nick. Today we are going to talk about what we've been watching. We're going to go over some recent film news, and then finally we're going to do a retro review in honor of Philip Seymour Hoffman of Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. Uh, before we get to that, uh, feedback at MidwestFilmers.com. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Uh, tell us how awesome we are or how horrible we are. Send it there. Uh, follow us on Twitter at MFN Podcast. Please rate and review us in iTunes and in the Stitcher Radio app. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. So I think we'll get right into what we've been watching. Willie. What have you been watching? Oh, man. <laughs> did I have a feast of film last night? Um, I kicked things feast? off. Uh, no, I did not. I should, do that. I should do that soon, though. <laughs> yeah, Feast 2, Sloppy Seconds. What a great... Oh I've my seen God. all three Feast movies. Have you? <laughs> nice. Are they good? I mean, the first oh. one was cool. The first one was kind of fun. They were really good in their own way. Yeah, like, yeah. They're very they're niche. fascinating. Yeah. Like, um, they, they go there, where horror movies can't They go. do. They do, and it's super self-referential. Anyway, I didn't watch Feast last night, <laughs> okay. um, but Feast is cool. I like the first one. Um, I watched – well, I kicked things off with Best of the Best 2, starring Eric Roberts, um, and with Wayne Newton as the main villain, which is amazing. Um, it, it was actually a lot of fun. I mean, it's really bad. Like, Eric Roberts' is, Eric Roberts is like – Martial arts skills are limited to karate chops to the back of the head and the occasional front kick. Like, that's it. That's all he's got. So it really hangs on, uh, I believe his name is Brian Ree, I believe is the, mm-hmm. is the, the actual martial artist actor. <laughs> and, um, he's really good too. Like, he's actually a pretty solid actor for a martial artist. Like, he's, he's got the chops, you know? Yeah. Um, the plot is is pretty silly, straightforward martial arts stuff. You know, underground fighting, death mm. fight, uh, dungeon gladiator arena thing, and they have to like avenge their fallen friend and stuff. It's it's okay. totally worth like drinking a Philip lot. Philip Ree, thank you. Um, it's totally worth watching and, and like drinking a lot and watching it. Yeah, for sure. It'd All be a good right. movie to watch with Tim. Yeah, with with, with MFN's Tim Long. Yes, Maybe we need to put out an MFN commentary by Tim Long. That'd be great. Yeah, let's let's get on that. We can do a double feature. Best of the best one and two. Good. Um, at one and a half times speed while drinking. <laughs> um, you heard it here first. <laughs> Bonus episode. Um, and then I watched John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. I don't know why I did that again. I've done it like a lot of times, and it's, it's one of those movies. It is. It is actually worse every time you watch it, which which shouldn't which shouldn't be possible because it's so bad the first time. But like, th- this is the first movie. Like after watching it again last night, I can safely say this is the first movie that there is nothing I like about it. There's not even like a shot that I like. There's not a musical cue <clears throat> that I like. There's nothing. There's nothing I like about this movie. It's everything bad in, about movies rolled into one movie, which is pretty sad because I love John Carpenter so much. But I, I don't think I'll, no, I'll watch it again. Who am I kidding? It's going to be on cable and I'm going to watch it again. So you'll probably hear my thoughts about this again like two years from now. Um, I've never seen worse. it. No, I kind of want to watch it with you. It's it's amazingly bad. Like it's, it, it would actually probably be a pretty good movie in like a group setting. Once again, if it was drinking. I wasn't drinking last night, so I really toughed these out, you know. <laughs> Um, Doesn't it have some stars though? 
Yeah, it's got Ice Cube and Natasha Henstridge and <laughs> Jason, Statham Jason Statham and Pam Greer. Oh. Yeah, yeah it's quite a cast. <laughs> There's a few red flags in there. Yeah. Clea Duvall. Um, anyway, so yeah, John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars. Don't watch it. Um, watch Best of Best 2 instead. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, and then I, I, I... Oh, man, did I end it on a, on a high note. <laughs> oh. Mr. Holland's Opus was my third film of the night. Um, literally, this is just me pouring over because I don't have Comcast. Yeah. And Comcast is a pretty fantastic uh, on-demand selection. Like, they mm-hmm. really have a ton of free movies on there. And I, I literally just went, like, through the alphabet. <laughs> like, I was like, Best of the Best 2 is the first one that I saw that I wanted to watch. <laughs> and then I go through and I'm like, okay, Ghost of Mars, fine. And uh, Mr. Holland's Opus was my third random pick. And uh, I haven't seen it in a long time. I don't think since it first came out. Or maybe a couple years after, but it's a it's a darn good movie. It's Richard Dreyfuss had his, in his prime, absolute like just tearing it up. No wonder he doesn't make movies anymore because what's the point? Like he brought that he brought he brought it to that role. Um, <laughs> William H Macy, um, kind of playing a villainish character, which is very strange for him. He's so likable; it's almost hard to like take him in that way. But he was really good. Everybody's really good. Uh, a very young Terrence Howard. <laughs> Very young Terrence Howard as the drummer in in Mr. Holland's Opus, and it, like it took me a like a double take, like oh my god, is that Tony? Like is that him? And it was. <laughs> so. It's yeah. my, it's I was really young when I first saw that movie. I'm sure all of it went over my head. It would be interesting to go back. Yeah, I think I watched it in school. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I, I watched it in school and I didn't care because it didn't matter how good the movie was. They showed me in like middle school or high school. Like I wasn't paying attention. I yeah. was napping. Yep. Yeah, and um. Just a quick little side note, I, as I'm watching it, there's like a little piece of score in the movie that I'm like, I know that. I know this. Like, I've, I've heard this before in another movie. And I, I realize, I'm like, oh my god, it's X-Men. That's the movie <laughs> I know it from, the original X-Men. And so I look at the composer, and it's the same composer for each movie, uh, Michael Kamens. And I was like, like, it's literally the exact same piece of That's score. That's crazy. So anyway, I thought that was kind of fun. All right, Nick, what have you been watching? Nothing of of note. <laughs> <laughs> well, my rambling paid off then because you know. Yeah, I just go ahead, Alex. What do you right. What do you want to be watching? <laughs> uh, I have True Detective lined up in the in the chamber. I'm ready to pull the trigger on that, and then uh, gun analogies. Then are so right good. after that is what, was it, what did I say? House of Cards. Speaking of House of Cards, yeah. I finished season two. Ooh. Um. The show is... Was I done? Did I say I was done? I'm just kidding. Did I pass the feather? <laughs> I passed the Bill Murray is there, is there more that you want to watch? <laughs> no. Not really. I mean, what, do you, that, what do you want to be watching? That should keep me busy. Yeah. yeah. I think. I really... Um, I gotta get on True Detective, though, before the absolutely. spoilers start hitting me. Yes. There's, what, like six episodes out now? Yes. Yesterday was episode six. And how long is the season? Is it ten? Eight. Oh, eight. oh, it's eight. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. So... I also have to be watching uh, Dallas Buyers Club, because one of my... Coworkers told me he was like McConaughey for the Oscar, hands down. And McConaughey was, like, was amazing. And I was like, "Wow, all right!" And I have a couple days to watch it before the Oscars. So yeah. there you go. I'll probably try to squeeze that in this week. Um, now I passed the Bill Murray. Conch. Back to <laughs> back to House of Cards, since I so rudely interrupted me. <laughs> um, I finished season two. The show is. I hesitate to say this. I get. Similar things out of watching House of Cards as I did when I would watch Entourage. Hmm. I and think you're going to say Newsroom. It, well, <laughs> and the first season of Newsroom. It's if, if For some reason, it feels guilty pleasure. And 
the show is interesting on like a macro political level. Like look at these people and what they're attempting to do and how they attempt to achieve it. I find that fascinating, but I don't feel as though the script and the writing and just the overall direction of these disparate storylines is being carefully curated or well-crafted or really, it, it doesn't come together. It doesn't coalesce as beautifully as it should. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll watch season three when it comes out. It'll be interesting to see where they take it from there. Uh, but I feel as though I would be very interested in watching the original UK series just to see where they take it and to see how it handles the different characters in the show. Is that a series that's still going or is it, is it finished? No, it was a three series okay. uh, program. In, in the UK, <laughs> three series series, and uh, I I don't know how long the episodes were. I think it was kind of a mini series kind of thing, but I'm not sure. About okay, that. but uh, and they're both. It was that was based on a book before mm, that. Okay, so anyway, House Card season two. It's it's good. I don't know if I would say it's fun to watch, but it definitely keeps you watching. I think it's it's interesting to think about how they develop this show as opposed to how they de- develop a normal television show. Mm-hmm. And I think that Netflix isn't quite, at least with House of Cards, they're not quite on the level of things like Breaking Bad, Early Walking Dead, uh, The Wire, you know, like the... The HBO The, the HBO and, and, like, now, more recently, the cable television shows mm-hmm. that, you know, have kind of exploded onto the scene. Okay. With the start of, like, The Sopranos and The Wire and that kind of stuff. But I think that's cool that they've they've even reached a level already where you can draw some comparison. Totally. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, props to them for, you know, they, I think Netflix's mission statement for a while was, we need to become HBO before HBO becomes us. Mm. And I think they're doing a good job of heading towards that. I haven't watched, I've seen a few episodes of Orange is the New Black. Didn't totally hook me, but I think it, that could, I don't know, that might be a little bit more nuanced and it might be a little better. Uh, it does have a huge following. I know. it does. Particularly yeah, totally. by fans of Weeds. Okay. I know that it's the same same showrunner, I'm pretty sure, and people said it's very yes. similar in tone. Yeah. So people who, when that show got canceled, they had a new show to just kind of yeah. yep. right over to. How many shows does Netflix have? How many original? There's three or four, right? <sighs> There's more. There's oh, like, yeah, original. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's interesting, I, I they know... don't have any truly original script-to-screen movie or shows. I think they're all adaptations of something. Mm, or yeah, that could be true. And then there's the it, ones that are Hemlock like... Hemlock Grove, is that... Hemlock Grove, Lily Hammer. Adaptation. Okay. Um, I don't know about Lily Hammer. That might be original. It might be. And they've uh, all gotten pretty good reviews, Arrested right? Development. Arrested Development. Orange is the New Black. Orange is the New House Black. Of Ca- House of Cards. Uh, Derek, which is one of... Yeah. It's uh, Ricky Gervais. Hmm. And, uh, so they, they, have, they have a... They're building a, a stable of shows, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how they continue to fare. I think, I think they're definitely making strides in that mm-hmm. department. Oh, for sure. I think everything is positively reviewed. I think Helmut Grove is the weakest. Overkilling, okay. season three. Yeah, yeah. Like, and like and four. And four. Uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, season seven. Yeah. yeah. Starts on March, or final season, which starts on March 7th. But yeah, anyway, uh, I watched, uh, I, I believe his name, I have heard Jake Gyllenhaal say it in the interviews. I think his name is Denis Villeneuve. 
mm. director of okay. Prisoners. I watched his new film, Enemy. Uh, but I think I think I'll save my thoughts on that for for a later date because we're running a little longer than I thought we would. Yeah, but I'd like to check that out. It's interesting, definitely worth checking out. I checked it out on pay per view, so I don't know if it's getting an actual theatrical release or not. But uh, you know, check your available resources to see if you can check it out somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be on iTunes. It could be. I'm not sure. So <clears throat> I think that's about it for what we've been watching or what we want to watch in the future. <laughs> <laughs> what we will be watching. Yes. <laughs> All right. So some very sad news today. Um, actor, director, and writer uh, Harold Ramis passed away at the age of 69. Um I, I don't really know where we want to go with this. We can kind of go the same direction that we did on, like, the Philip Seymour Hoffman when Gojo was on, but uh, just kind of talk about some of our great performances. But he's got, in all three of those categories, he's got fantastic work. Um, <clears throat> some of the most notable stuff. I, we'll at least start with what he directed. Um, Caddyshack. Caddyshack's, like, a staple of 80s comedy. It's uh, often considered the greatest comedy of all time. Yeah. By, like, a lot of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, Groundhog Day, which is a fantastic movie. Amazing. Uh, Multiplicity analyzed this, analyzed that, of course. Uh, most National recent... Lampoon's Vacation. Can't skip that. Oh, well, yeah, National Lampoon's Vacation, excuse me, which is written by John Hughes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that, uh, we gotta do that bonus yeah. episode. <laughs> yes. Bonus episode forthcoming. <laughs> yes, still forthcoming. Uh, and I think most recently, Year One. I, mean, I haven't seen Year One. Did you guys see it? I did. Okay. Wasn't very good, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, you know, from a directorial standpoint, he was in that. And then the movies that he was in as an actor, uh, Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. There's Okay, so, I don't know. Do you guys know, like, what your kind of favorite Harold Ramis performances are? Or, Ooh, performance. Or, or, or written or direct anything from any, from any direction. My I mean, favorite writing work of his would be Groundhog Day. Okay. It's such a simple... You almost wonder how it wasn't made before. Yeah. It's, it's such a simple like concept, but it's handled so well, and it just it's, it's great. It's such a great character piece, and so funny all the way throughout. Absolutely. It doesn't force a single joke. It just it's naturally, and that's one of the things that his writing style is so naturally funny. He very rarely had to stretch for a gag or anything like that. You know, especially early on in his career. Um, Performance wise, it has to be Egon Spengler. <laughs> I mean, it seems like the the obvious choice here, but it, it's he's great. He's yeah. a character, you know. He's 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 a legitimately compelling character, even though he's a comedic character. And then that first Ghostbusters, he's very much there for mostly for uh, tech talk and and uh, yeah. psychobabble and, and. But it's all still like really funny. Yeah, he's very funny. I mean, he's he's got some of the best lines in the movie. It's one of the best moments. Easily, <laughs> yeah. Um, he's yeah, it's some of the best stuff. Um, as far as from a directing or from a writing standpoint. Did I say Groundhog Day already? Yes, yeah, I did. Okay, for, for forget already. that then. Yeah. yeah, not your one. <laughs> Nick, how do you feel about Harold Ramis? I just want to refer to it now as Harold Ramis Year One. <laughs> it's not. Uh, I'm not a huge Harold Ramis fan. I like him. Yeah, I've always he's one of those guys. I've always been like, oh yeah, I like Harold Ramis, but he's never never comes to mind as. Well, I'm like, oh yeah, one of the greatest comedic directors, but he does deserve a lot of credit. I mean, Ghostbusters is such an original. My friend and I were just talking about this like three or four days ago. What a bizarre concept Ghostbusters is. And the fact that it ever even worked, period, let alone was as good as it is, is remarkable. Yeah. yeah. Like it's – when you – if you 
just, just what's the look up the synopsis for Ghostbusters? <laughs> it's I mean it's, it's going to be like four guys from the minds of Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Three unemployed parapsychology professors set up shop as a unique ghost removal service. If you read that today, you'd be like, no, that's <laughs> this sounds awful. That's in the bargain yeah. bin at Walmart. For yeah. Sure. yeah, and yet it's a perennial comedy classic. It's yeah, so good. Absolutely. I think he's he's a huge factor in that, obviously. Um, but I'm I'm a huge Groundhog Day fan. I'd say that's mm-hmm. my favorite movie of his. Because I love, I mean that that type of paradox is a huge favorite thing of mine, which is why I love like Source Code and yeah. other fiction that has to do with that idea is so much fun. Uh, and so that's just a phenomenal movie. He's also really good, by the way, in uh, Orange County, which I forgot he was for somehow somehow I forgot he was in until just recently, and like or just today earlier, and he has a line in that movie that like I use in my everyday conversations. <laughs> and it's he he inadvertently gets high on 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 pills, mm-hmm. and he has a line where he just looks at the main character, Colin Hanks's character. He just stares at him and he goes, "You and I are the same height. That is neat." And I, I like I, I, I like to say that it, like when I see something called me, "That is neat." Like I said, so so thanks Harold for incorporating that. I in liked my life. him in Knocked Up too. He plays uh, yeah. Seth Rogen's dad. Yeah, and I thought that was a cool kind of passing of the torch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, moment. Yeah, totally. Um. Uh, I'm, I, I like Stripes a lot. I think you wrote love. Animal House too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus. <clears throat> uh, Stripes is something. I think my love of Stripes is kind of born out of my dad's love of Stripes. Mm. So, uh, you know, him, him and Bill Murray together. I think in any in in the written or acting or mm-hmm. directing capacity, it's it, a one-two. It, yeah, they they you know I think I think they can kind of they had that they could live in each other's minds a little bit. And they knew they knew what they wanted from each other, but. Um, no, yeah, Stripes, fantastic, uh, Caddyshack is, is a great movie, um, but Egon Spangler is, Egon was always my favorite. Oh, yeah, I always felt that I was Egon, um, and the Do-Ray Egon (laughs) just always kills me, like, every single time. Yeah. And, uh, even, even more recently, I think I rewatched Ghostbusters or something like that, and I didn't even notice... The uh, it's like the main gag of that Ooh. scene. I didn't even notice it, but when they clean out or when, when they get Slimer out of the hotel, mm. and they afterwards they're discussing payment. I did not even realize the hand signals that Egon is giving to Bill Murray yeah, 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 yeah. Like, behind him. Yeah, yeah. And, and I like it, and it's so subtle, but it's so it's so good. It's fan, like yeah. watching that. It's it's fantastic, and you know I, you know he was sixty nine years old, and and. They were trying to get Ghostbusters three off the ground, which that's a whole other discussion or whatever. But I, I I feel as though uh, there was probably still a lot more to come out of Harold Ramis, and I think think it's you know it's a loss. It's too bad, and it's 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 if I could put it in the best possible terms, I'm bummed out beyond the capacity for rational thought. (laughs) That's that's all I can think of. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. All right, uh, I think we can move on there. Rest in peace, Harold Ramis. Uh, you will be missed. Um, losing a lot of people in February alone. Yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty rough year so yeah, far. Yeah, in like the past few months, <clears throat> like you know, we got, was was Paul in January? Paul was in December. Paul December. Walker was in December. Okay, Philip. Philip Seymour Hoffman was Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Harold Ramis, Shirley Temple passed away, and mm. Sid Caesar as well. So let's. Yeah, a, a few of those people I like for very different reasons, a lot of icons. but but uh, I like them all. Or I liked them all, and I watched 
uh, a little clip of Amy Adams on uh, Inside the Actors Studio. Did you watch that? No. She was on there recently, and uh, Lipton brought up Doubt, and Amy okay. Adams started getting all like weepy, and he was like, oh, so funny, though, because James Lipton's just so funny, and I can't oh, watch yeah. him and not think of Arrested Development <laughs> or Saturday Night Live, but yeah. he just did his Jim's Lipton thing. He was like, oh, we've arrived at a very difficult moment for you. <laughs> Doubt, of course. Your co-star, Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> And it was hard for me to not laugh because <laughs> it was so funny, but at the same time it was really sad. And she was like really upset, and she talked about him briefly. And it was so nice, like such a nice tribute between the two of them. And Lipton looks at his stack of cards that's this high. Yeah, it's like in January nineteen ninety eight or something like that. Some date. He goes, I had Philip on this show, and on that episode, I declared he would go on to become the greatest actor of his generation. <laughs> I do not think I was wrong. Or something. Like, he said something like that, and I was like, "Yeah, totally." The guy was so amazing. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I'd been on the episode where you guys got to talk about him. Yeah, yeah. he's a he's a he's a staple of my childhood because I used to watch Twister and Patch Adams <clears throat> constantly. Yeah, constantly. And I don't want to turn this into a whole another rehash of that, but Philip Seymour Hoffman is so good, and I wanted, well, I wanted to be able to take a moment. This to, episode is is somewhat in honor of true. Philip Seymour Hoffman. The, the one tiny thing I wanted to say about him, and I thought about. <clears throat> Excuse me. After he died, and I was like, "Oh man, I want to talk about this in the podcast." Is his? Everyone knows he was an amazing actor, but his ability was because one of the first things I think I saw him in besides Swister was Patch Adams. Mm-hmm. And Patch Adams is a stupid movie, but it's it's like it's a it's a good it's enough a nice movie. movie. It's an entertaining yeah, it's nice yeah. and it, it's kind of goofy and it's kind of by the numbers, but it is good and it makes you feel warm and fuzzy. And mm-hmm. But Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in that could be such a throwaway character. It's just antagonistic guy. Who grind you know locks horns with him all through school and at the end of the movie finally like becomes his boy and good job Willie and uh, but he he really elevates that character into what I recall as a, at a young age like a true uh, a very real life version of jealousy and not not mean evil jealousy but just plain human jealousy because he has that amazing not amazing but really good piece of, of dialogue at the end of the towards the end of the movie when he's like. I'm a great doctor. And Philip Seymour Hoffman says, I am a very good doctor, and I study my ass off every day, all night. I work this, I do this many clinicals, I do this, 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 this. That's what it takes for me to even be a very good doctor. He's like, but you you have it natural. And it's so good to watch that character actually grow to the point where he understands this guy's not his enemy. He's just a very gifted guy, and he shouldn't try to hold him back for that. And I, at a, even at a relatively young age, I, that stood out as a very human character who i understood i was like i understand why he's jealous and there's nothing wrong with it he's a and he he understands it finally and i think a lesser actor would have been a way more forgettable character yeah and totally. it's such a shame and Absolutely. i'm glad we get to talk about magnolia <clears throat> and him in it let's right. do that yeah we right now move right into our review of paul thomas anderson's magnolia oh, <clears throat> i just want to watch it again right now <laughs> Uh, Magnolia, starring Tom Cruise, Jason Robards, Julianne Moore, Philip Seymour Hoffman, William H. Macy, John C. Riley, Philip Baker Hall, so many people, Alfred Molina, Michael Bowen of Breaking Bad fame. <laughs> <laughs> Luis Guzman. Luis Guzman. Um, <clears throat> the synopsis says, an epic mosaic of interrelated characters in search of love, forgiveness, and meeting in the San Fernando Valley. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, so I have not seen this movie before. This is an Alex List of Shame film. Mm. Um, it was, anyway. And, uh, you know, Nick has 
been pushing for a while for me to watch it at mm-hmm. the very least. And then it kind of, you know, ended up being something that we could talk about in relation to Philip Seymour Hoffman at the very least. But, you know, I think it's one of those movies. I, I want to watch more Paul Thomas Anderson anyway, because this is maybe his third film that I've seen. But, um, yeah, so I don't know if you guys want to talk about or how, how you first felt about the movie, if that's any different from how you feel about it now. Uh, the movie came out in 1999, I should say. Uh, very, it, it's, not to turn anybody off, this shouldn't turn you off, it's three hours and eight minutes long. Very long, uh, kind of pretty uncommon. It's a double VHS, as we were talking yeah. about the other night. <laughs> Two VHS taped together. <laughs> for for you kids out there that know that know what a VHS is, but... <laughs> Uh, Willie, how did you feel about Magnolia? <clears throat> how do you feel and how did you feel? Well, I saw it, I, I remember seeing it when it first came out on video, on VHS, and I remember the cover, the, the cover art was really interesting, and I was like, yeah. yeah, I didn't really know, I knew Tom Cruise, obviously, but back then I didn't know who John C. Riley was or Philip yeah. Seymour Hoffman or anybody, so the cover art was enough to make me interested, and the fact that it was two tapes long, I was like, I bet this is a beast, you know, so let's check it out. <laughs> And, um, and I, it, most of it went right over my head. I mean, I, you know, I think this was like eighth grade for me, maybe ninth grade. And I just pretty young. Yeah. Pretty young. Pretty, pretty young <clears throat> for a three hour long movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, and it's, I mean, I'd, I'd seen dense movies before and, and, you know, by this point, you know, I had seen similar films to this. Not, not that there's a lot of movies that are all that similar, but I've seen really, you know, kind of dark, nasty dramas that really peel away, <laughs> the human condition and yeah. stuff, you know? Um, so this wasn't my first rodeo when it came to that, but I, I remember not being super into it, you know? I, and I, I don't think that that's, that's something that I should be ashamed of. Cause at that age, it's kind of hard to get into something like this. I think you totally. need a little more life experience to really kind of appreciate a lot of what's going on in this movie. And at that point I didn't have a ton. So, um, seeing it now was, was very cool because it's, you're coming at it. It was almost nice that I hadn't seen it since, it first came out because you come into it with an entirely different perspective, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, um, a movie like this makes you think about your own, I think, think about your own experiences and, totally. um, how they may or may not relate to some of what the characters are going through. I think there's a character in this movie for anybody to latch onto. Absolutely. And I think, um, I think some are easier to latch onto than others, certainly, but I think that, Almost anybody could watch this movie if they give it a fair shake and find a character that they relate to in some way or another. I was just thinking it'll be interesting to kind of revisit this one as you go through life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm almost okay with, like, not watching it for a long, for a good chunk of time. Not because I don't enjoy it. I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I think it'd be cool to watch You'll it again. You'll see something completely yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. And then listen to this podcast and think, wow, I sounded really stupid. <laughs> on that episode. What, a, what a young buck I was, yeah. you know. Um, but I really enjoyed it, and... Uh, it's certainly not a movie that I could that I could suggest to just anybody, you know. And that's yeah. not a slight against anybody in particular. It just I, I, you know, I don't think I would. I would be like, hey, Dad, you should watch Magnolia. You know, I don't think you'd like it, and I think that's okay. I, this is not a movie for everybody. And um, I think I think this is one of those movies where it's it honestly it's a it's a filmmaker, and I think most of of Anderson's movies are he's he's a filmmaker's filmmaker. Like he makes movies that even the most astute of a astute studier of film could watch and just be like, Oh my God, how did you pull that off? Yeah. You know, and I watched Nick do it a few times while we're watching this movie and he's seen this movie, what, probably a dozen times by now. Not that many, but, but you've seen it quite a few more than, more than us. Certainly. Yeah. 
and even Nick, you know, on, on a repeat, repeat viewing, he was like, good God. Like, yeah. and, and Nick's, you know, Nick's has studied this stuff. So it's impressive right there. That's, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, I think that's one of the reasons why maybe, why perhaps this wouldn't be for everybody because a lot of the, a lot of the, um, the enjoyment of the movie I felt came from the beauty of the filmmaking itself and not always necessarily from the narrative, although it's fantastic too. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Quite a bit. All right, Nick Magnolia. Um, I love this movie. It's like this is one that I I consider a ten, and I hand out maybe like I have maybe like fifteen movies I give a ten to or something. But it's uh, well, maybe it's, it's like a nine point five because there there's like one part of the movie I don't love. Yeah. But the rest of it, other than that, like Willie said, I'm just in awe. Of. It's hard for me to not make noises during some of some of the moments <laughs> in this movie because they're so good. Like from just a technological standpoint, thinking how many takes did it take to get that right and yeah. it's just it's a wonder of of filmmaking and it's every scene has purpose in the way it's directed and blocked and staged and there's so many long takes which of course get me all hot and bothered and <laughs> so many cool cool like just camera moves and neat like whip pan transitions between stuff yeah. and you can tell that he he poured himself into the pre-production on this movie to make sure everything was thought out. It's meticulous. There's no doubt yeah. about that. And I just read a quote from him from back when it came out. He said, "I think I honestly think that for better or worse, this is probably the best movie I'll ever make." Like he yeah. he felt that strongly about it. Um, it's pretty plotless. Like I get when if some people are like, "Oh, I, I hate it because it doesn't have a plot." I'm like, "Well, you're not wrong." But at the same time, it's not a great reason to not at least watch a little bit of it because I think it it draws you in really quickly. The whole opening sequence is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I I just absolutely love it. I think it's a it's a great movie that I never really get sick of watching. It gets better every time I watch it. Actually, the first time I watched it, I remember being just thoroughly depressed for like two days afterwards because it's so draining. It's so intense. And depending on what mood you're in, when you watch it, it might end up really bringing you down. Like this is not, there's some movies, some sad movies you watch when you're sad because it just feels good. It's like listening to a sad song and just being like, yeah, wallowing, wallowing in your, in your human yeah. misery. Kind of therapeutic. This is not one of those. Like I watched this movie with a, with an ex-girlfriend years ago. We almost broke up after the movie because we were both so in the dumps afterwards. We were both like sad to begin Why with. Why are we trying? It was basically because the movie is so bleak for so much of it. Why are we trying? <laughs> no, I think it's, it's just a phenomenal movie. I think anybody interested in, in film, you know, either studying it uh, just as a hobby or, or wants to go into it for a career, either on the study side or the production side, you have to watch it because it's just so much fun to watch. There's so many just amazing feats in it. There's some stuff I don't, I can't figure out how they did it. It's so cool. Uh, yeah, it's just, and the acting is incredible, top to bottom. Everybody in it's good. Even the bit, the bit roles are really, really, really yeah. solid. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's a, it's a wonder to watch top to bottom. I wish it was a movie that everybody was going to watch at some point, but I know they won't. <laughs> and I, yeah. I mean, like you, like you both have said, it's hard, it's hard to blame someone. It's so long. Even yeah. though it does move, it does move faster. Than Absolutely, you think. yeah. No, and that that was kind of. Are you? Do you okay. Um, I was very surprised at how uh, the momentum of the movie. I think I think for 188 minutes long, it definitely continues to pull you through. <clears throat> Without you know, I didn't really notice anything that particularly slogged for me. I know Nick, you have a few scenes that you kind of feel as though you could have. Moved on from or you know they were better but, this time around yeah definitely but uh, there's still like one or two where I'm like 
and not to not to derail you, but I remember no. we said this after we watched it too that if even if you shortened scenes, you would only be it would only be for the purpose of shortening the movie because the scenes aren't even bad. Like yeah. there's one, no, there's nothing bad. There's one long scene of Jason Robards talking, and it doesn't even cut. It's just over Philip Seymour Hoffman's shoulder, and he's talking, and it goes on and on and on. It's like three and a half minutes of him just acting, and you're like, oh. <laughs> and that's that's a technique that uh, you know that a lot of filmmakers use. Well, if they don't cut, they're they're making you anticipate that cut because every time there's a cut, your brain gets a fraction of a second to refresh itself, and, yeah. get, and your retention is regrabbed. So, man, in order to watch somebody act like that too, for it's crazy, crazy stuff. Totally. Um, I, I didn't necessarily feel the, I felt like, uh, with the way that at least Nick was kind of building it up in my mind, I felt as though I was going to watch this movie and just be completely soulless afterwards, like drained. (laughs) And I didn't, I didn't really get that aspect of it. And I think it might be, (laughs) I think, I think in the end it's, it's somewhat uplifting enough that It it, 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 you know, it doesn't, I didn't, uh. I don't know if I'd ever watch this movie with somebody and like want to break up afterwards unless it was like, you know, extenuous circumstances or something like that. But I could be wrong. I think some of it might be depending on who you kind of connect to throughout the time that you're watching it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I don't necessarily, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd say that I singularly connected to one person as of yet. And I think that's something that could change through time. Like I said, I can come back and revisit this five years from now and, and get a completely different read depending on what I've experienced. And then, you know, just also paying attention to different things in the movie. And I think that's very interesting. It's, uh, it's a very, very, uh, what's the word that I'm thinking of here? Loquacious. It's a very ambitious movie. It's this, it's super ambitious to be like, I'm going to take all of these different people and intertwine them. Some of them in very ancillary ways and others of them in very connected ways. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, it's not until maybe even halfway to two thirds of the way into the movie where you really start to get the sense of who's connected to who. And it's mm-hmm. very, it's interesting because of that. And I, and I like how the beginning of the movie, at least for me, set me up into being like, you're going to be shown these circumstances and there's going to be some sort of influence that they all kind of have on each other, but you know, how, how it plays it, like you don't know how it's going to play out in the end. And I, and I liked having that like primer of Ricky Jay's uh, narration over those different stories Mm -hmm. that definitely kind of puts your brain into the mindset to begin to comprehend the movie that you're about to watch. And that's very, very cool. That's such a great narration. Yeah. Um, Absolutely, all of the acting is is fantastic. Uh, the score, the score is really, really, really mm-hmm. good, and it kind of <laughs> there. I found myself at many times being like, "Has the score stopped at all in this movie? Like, yeah. has the score ever stopped?" And I find that very interesting. It just it feels as though it's it's kind of there throughout, and and then even when there's kind of uh, source songs that that are kind of put into certain places, it all kind of coalesces and flows very well together, and. Um, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. I was trying to find if if I could see like the the average shot length of this movie and maybe compare it to something else, compare, compare it to like Transformers or something. Yeah, <laughs> it is a weird movie because there are a lot of really long takes, but there are brief segments of quick cut, 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 cut. Yeah, like especially early on. Yeah, so it's it would probably it might it even never really settles bit. into a huge rhythm, which is interesting. It keeps you 
I think it's a really interesting thing going off what you said about like the the web of people and how you eventually find the center of where they all connect. <laughs> it feels like an incredibly realistic movie in that regard. That you think about, you know, you get up in the morning, you you go out, you drive to work, whatever. You're passing all these people that you're just kind of swinging past each other through life. But you what what you do in that day may impact that person, and then mm-hmm. they'll carry it to someone else. Totally. And you just think about the way a lot of the characters in this movie they are. There are some that are connected that never actually meet, that yeah. influence each other somehow. That's really... Uh, or there's even scenes where two will pass each other mm-hmm. and not even know it. And you'll be like, wow, those two stories are actually aren't even connected at all, yet they're yeah. in the same movie. And it's, I think that's very, very, very realistic. Totally, totally. And that I, you know, that's part of the ambition of the whole thing, I yeah. think. just It's quite a juggling act. Yeah. So it's, you know... I... I admire it for what it tries and what it succeeds. Like it, I think it definitely delivers on the promise that it sets out to do. And you, absolutely, like you guys said, I can't. If I set this movie down in front of my dad, my dad wouldn't care. And my mom, I'd be able to talk to her about it, and she'd be like, "Oh, that's really interesting." But I don't know if you know there are many people that I could say you like this. This movie's really going to mean something to you. I think it's. There are certain kinds of people that you know will kind of resonate with this kind of movie, and there are some people that just aren't. And uh, uh, no matter how much of a shame that is, that's just the truth. Yeah. So that's that's okay. I mean, it's that's what opinions and and, and different yeah. you know different strokes. You this, know, this it's, movie this movie isn't about escapism. <clears throat> it's not about no, it's having not. a good time. If anything, it imprisons you. <laughs> <laughs> you're not escaping anything. <laughs> you're being you're imprisoned facing, by a worse worse lives than your own. Hopefully, you're facing yourself in the mirror. So yeah, through the looking glass a little bit. Um, one thing I wanted to say in regards to the music, you had mentioned the use of uh, source music, and and I normally I'm not a huge fan of source music, but it, this movie does it very well. And I think what's interesting about the, the use of source music in this movie is that uh, it lingers. In most movies, you there's like a weird natural point where your brain says, "Okay, this scene is done. The music should not be here anymore," and it lingers throughout. Sometimes two or three scenes, the yeah, song will play out. Totally, it, it, it's. It gives the, to me at least, I, it came off to me as giving it almost like a weird dreamlike quality about, like that, there's little moments in the movie, and, and that was one of them, the music kind of floating through the different storylines, gives it almost a dreamlike quality. Yeah. And and I like that. I really appreciated that. It kind of, it kind of puts you in the, this movie's like a painting. It really is. Like, it, it's like, it's like going into a museum and seeing this painting of these people, like, in a park. And you'd have no idea what, what they're all about or who they are or whatever. But, like, this is like if you were to peel back the layers and find out, like, what each person was – each random person in this painting that you've looked at for ages has been, you know, what their lives really like. It's, it's just weird. It's, it's a weird – interesting. It's a good way to put it's it. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's people that you would – like Nick said, you would pass by every day and you wouldn't – Totally. But everybody's got a story, yeah. you know. And in this case, obviously, their stories are quite interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. But for the most part, but – I um, wish we could have had Rick on this episode. He would have loved it. <laughs> That's we were just talking about Rick. this movie this morning. Because after I told him we were going to watch it, he watched it with his girlfriend that night. He's like, I made her sit down and watch it with me. And I was like, nice. <laughs> awesome. We, yeah. were, we were debating which is the saddest character in the legion of sad characters. <laughs> <in this movie. laughs> it was really fun. Oh Yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else that you want to say in non-spoiler Terry? Hmm. I'm excited for you to watch it one day, Alex, down the road couple of years from now maybe or something because i think i've seen it probably like i've probably watched it annually or almost annually for about the last six years seven years and it, it, i always take something different away from it 
think it does have a lot to do with where you are totally. in your life. And like I said, what you bring to the table when you watch it is it's going to bounce back at you. It's yeah. interesting. And, you know, right now, uh, there, were, there were no moments of Alex's tears, but I could see <laughs> at some point in the future just being like... I remember the scene still that really either moved me immensely the first time I saw it, or like if you watch it by yourself, you might get hit a lot harder with some That's of the true. some of the moments. But I I still carry a lot of stuff with me even now that I remember hitting me from the first Virgin viewing of it. The most powerful scenes or the like funniest or weirdest moments that you know you still carry that anyway. Yeah. I'm really right. excited now to watch Punch Drunk. I think we should watch Punch Drunk Love together soon because I want to okay. get your read on it. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I've always, I've been interested in Punch Truck Love for a while. Oh, so. so good. We will have to do that. Yeah. All right. I think that wraps up our non-spoiler section. We will head into the spoilers after a quick break. So we will. <laughs> All right, here we are in spoiler Terry for Magnolia. Nick, I hear you have some notes. Got them notes, some thoughts <laughs> on thorts. Magnolia. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of my notes I already said, just about the direction and the, the lighting. There's so much really interesting lighting in this movie. There are a lot of scenes where one character will be lit completely differently from another one. Yeah. And it's very, like stage very theatrical in that regard like one character in the foreground will be like lit with like cool tones and one in the background is like reddish yeah and i really want to watch this movie again already anyway but just be with a paying particular attention to any biblical references because mm-hmm. apparently the movie's laden with them well, I, just, I was thinking earlier we should have waited until episode 80 or 82 or because <laughs> uh, nice. of exodus yeah. 82 yeah but well that apparently is is referenced numerous times apparently yeah. there's a an audience member in the Holding TV studio, and Paul Thomas Anderson plays the guy who rips it away. Yeah, all the all the news studio stuff is some of my favorite stuff, or the the broadcast studio because mm. I feel like that is the this movie. It, it aims for so many things, and like criticisms of so many things, and observations of so many things, and insight into so many things. And I hit it. I think it hits all the marks it aims for. But I think to me, the most interesting is the kind of. Uh, analyzing of media and the whole media machine and what it does to people and how it exploits people and how it can turn like Jimmy Gator was probably once a relatively normal guy. Yeah. And by the end of the movie, you realize like he's a total monster uh-huh. and poor like Stanley, who is just a nice kid who wants to be smart and is getting exploited by his dad. Yeah. And those two symbolize the, another big thing in the movie of just the wheel turning and, and people that are, broken being influenced by other people and then turn into more broken people and but everything in the in the in the news studio i think is some of the most fascinating especially the repeated shots of the audience like, like clapping <laughs> and eating it up all the weird beautiful sad operatic camera moves like from the audience sweeping down over the faces of the poor kids and then up to jimmy gator who was behind the scenes just slamming alcohol and like banging whores and then like coming out and he's everyone's favorite like news show it's just so dirty and i love it i love the the total scathing criticism of it. You definitely see some of the Boogie Nights flavor with that stuff. Mm. I felt like they, they remind those scenes reminded me of like Boogie Nights and the dirty, nasty underbelly of you know. And then in the the flip side of the coin of all the the nasty people, there are some really great people in this movie. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman's character 
is such a good guy and he yeah. tries so and he I don't I don't I can't recall off the top of my head another Philip Seymour Hoffman performance where he plays such a tender sweet person. He he can play nice guys but they're usually like a little weird or funny but he's just a good dude mm-hmm. who's so empathetic and like cries when his patients are like dying. It's so sad. He's such a nice dude. And his story is so good and John C. Riley who wants to be a savior so bad and just like help people and Yeah. One of my favorite reference, biblical references in this movie for sure is, and I never noticed it till today, but it just jumped, or not today, but when we watched it, and it just shot up my list, is he's trying so hard throughout the movie to help people, and he wants to save that girl so bad, and she just, like, brushes him off. But he, he gets to play, like, the literal good angel over the shoulder of William H. Macy later when he makes him go back in and get mm-hmm. the money back, and he's literally, yeah. like, popping over his shoulder, <laughs> just, like, rambling in the background, and I was like, oh, that's cool, and I swear there's a shot earlier in the movie that's the opposite of William H. Macy there, and some guy over the other shoulder, mm. but I'm gonna have to go back and look for it, but the, uh, I just love how it toys with coincidence and, like, and happenstance, and, like, what, what happens because it does, or is it, is this just one of those things, as he says in the narration, it's so good, but the other thing, I, the, probably the last thing I really want to talk about that always blows me away is Tom Cruise in this movie, mm. he is just off the hook awesome and whenever people will say oh i hate tom cruise he's a terrible actor i'm like bro because <laughs> he he plays such a one note character at first and then you see like the level of nuance he brings to that role and by the end of the movie that oh that scene at his dad's bedside is the one where i'm always like <laughs> <laughs> like he just when there's just a shot of him clenching his fists together so hard and just weeping i'm like oh my god this is so sad my eyes are sweating <laughs> this, yes, what's happening yes this guy wants so badly <laughs> to make even after all this time he wants to make amends with his dad and just like be okay it's he's so, almost angry that he almost comes up as angry that he still loves him i know like he's pissed that's like, why it's so beautiful you think how yeah. long has it been since these guys even looked at each other and he still can't help but mm-hmm. yeah and then that final moment where all hell is literally breaking loose outside pretty much and he just hones in and then there's that look between the two of them they finally share a look and it's like almost like a calm it's mm-hmm. so good Ugh. yeah that's i can't the- think of any other characters in that movie that really have such a complete little arc yeah well tom cruise is probably my his character is probably my favorite in the movie um i can't say i 100 percent relate to him because i had a pretty solid relation i have a pretty solid relationship with my dad and whatnot but i i, I always enjoy you characters i get it yeah. and i understand I, I like i like characters who um in, in a lot of fiction in general you see the the bad guy who's got you know the kind of kind of crummy dude who's really got a heart of gold down there that he's mm-hmm. like just built layers of armor up because of the things that have happened to him and unfortunately oftentimes characters like that in fiction it's the way the reveal of their soft interior is 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 pulled off it's it's so ham-fisted and it winds up being so schmaltzy and stuff this movie does it very well better than most occasions and i like the fact that even at the end of this there's there's no reason to think he's not going to go back and keep doing what he's been doing there, there, you know what I mean? There's, there's no reason to think, oh, I'm going to change my life because I stared at my dad once. Right. I mean, it meant a lot to him, and it was important. But you know what I mean? I know it sounds horrible. But no, obviously, it meant more than that. But like, I, there's no reason to think he's not going to continue. Oh, sure. You know, and I think that that's certainly a much more might not be as as satisfying as as watching him turn around and become this wonderful human being. But it's not that's not real life. Yeah, and that's not what this movie's about. Um, I will say that one. One aspect that I would have liked to have seen, um, if it's not even really a nitpick, it's 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 tiny nitpick. Um, 
is uh, I would have liked to have seen maybe more, a little more character interaction from a couple of the characters. I would have liked to have seen, you know, not any sort of major conversation necessarily, because it probably, once again, would have been schmaltzy, but something between... Um, Quiz Kid Donnie Smith. And Stanley. And Stanley yeah. That would have been very cool. I would have liked yeah. to have seen just a moment of him... A moment of him acknowledging Stanley, you know what I mean, like, or or just looking, like, look, seeing him somewhere and knowing, like, God, this kid's gonna wind up. You probably would have kidnapped you know, him or something. Say, weird yeah. ran away into the woods. It's really creepy. Um, yeah, I would have liked to have seen that, and I think there's a couple more inter- instances where I would have liked to have seen character interaction. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but, um, gosh, yeah, that's the one that I really remember going, man, I would have liked. I feel like that might be a missed opportunity to like have some sort of each tiny little moment between the two of them. Wouldn't have to be a conversation or anything, but would have been cool. Um, or comparing the two a little more, just just maybe maybe cutting from Stanley in the library to cutting to William H Macy, like reading a book at his table by himself yeah, or par- something. Like just paralleling the two because those two are very similar characters, or they could be yeah. if if the you know if Stanley's not able to uh, well, also, uh, break free of his dad, Frank and. Uh, Claudia are very Frank, similar. Frank, 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 Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, yeah. Frank T.J. Mackey. Right. Yeah. They all have such good names, you have to use their full name. <laughs> Phil Parma. Phil Parma, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Frank and Claudia are a lot alike, too, in ways, because they both were wronged by their fathers, although in different yeah. degrees they were both essentially abandoned by the men they needed to raise them. And there's, there's a very common thread of that of bad fathers throughout this movie. It's kind of actually a recurring thing in Paul Thomas Anderson's work, which is mm-hmm. interesting. But there's a lot of poor people in this movie that, that weren't weren't raised well. Bad parenting. I mean, quiz kid Donnie Smith said his parents spent all his, his winnings. Uh, Stanley is clearly pushed around by his dad. Oh, yeah. That's a huge theme in this. Mm-hmm. And, and I've always enjoyed the theme of, like, not even sins the father, but but just the relationship between a parent and, and a child and how important that is to a kid and what oh, it yeah. can turn them into if, if it's totally. not. Um and, and I, that's one of the reasons why I like Lost so much. There's a ton of that in Lost. That's one of my favorite aspects yeah. of that show. But um, this this one does it does it very well. And I like um, I like how each each relationship between a parent and a child, or or now an adult and their parent, is is different. It's not all regurgitating the same kind of yeah. stuff. You know, everyone is. There's a different reason for why they've become the way they are in relation to their parents. And and I like that. I also I also want to mention. I just realized now that. That uh, Phil Parma is is Pill Pharma, which is kind of funny, Phar- like pharmacy and pill because he's the nurse. Anyone? No. Kind of. Yeah. I think that's intentional. I'm just saying. <laughs> Phil Parma is a really stupid name. So like like a good name, but a stupid name. Anyway. So yeah, no, I, I like I like the relationships between all the parents and and kids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, such a good movie. I want to talk about the frogs. That's yeah, thank you. Yeah. Do you have any other broad thoughts before we get to the frogs? I, 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 don't, I think you guys hit a lot of the good notes. I don't know if there's anything that I particularly want to... It might, I might think of it as I'm kind of going through this, but the frogs... Uh, it's interesting because I think... Uh, I, I tried to think about like what, what the point of the frogs is, and I think that's something that a lot of people walk away in this movie trying to figure out, but... It's like I, I'm wondering what is the function of the frogs, or what do they stand for? And it's it's hard for me to try and reconcile the two. And at some point, I don't even want to because I've read that PTA was basic. Like he wrote the frog thing before he even realized it was a biblical reference, which is really because, strange to me. Because, well, it's because he read a book. 
that was talking about how this could, like, the science behind how the frogs could actually... And it can, technically. It can. It can. Not it can. like that. It's like a tornado. But, yeah. and like a water spout, basically, picking up frogs and then throwing them back down on society. But... So from that kind of standpoint, I feel like that kind of cheapens it a little bit. And then I... I also don't really know... I feel like a lot of people, like, because I feel as though people are going to walk away from the movie and be like, what did that mean? What was the point of that? I feel like it detracts from a lot of what else happens in the movie. It's true. And mm-hmm. and I and I see it as, uh, there. it's it's kind of a, a miniature catalyst for a lot of these little things that happen in that final, like, act or scene or whatever you want to call it in the movie. But, uh, and I think it also kind of serves the purpose of, I read that somehow PTA wanted to figure out a way to show you that all of these people towards the beginning of the movie show you that all these people are in a very small area that they're all, yeah, yeah they're in a close proximity and i think the frogs kind of does that by showing you that these frogs are you know with everybody he it's like, an isolated incident yes yeah so i don't know what, what do you guys think about the frogs like I th- it's I mean, obviously, I think he needed some sort of... I think it was smart to use some sort of catastrophe. You know, some sort of, like... The, the weather theme is played out very obviously so through the movie. Say, and, which <clears> lends, <throat> lends some strength to the tornado theory. Mm. If there was a tornado nearby. Sure. And then that's, the, that's, that's a way you could take it, too. I mean, I, I like it personally. And I'm not a super religious person, but I, I like taking it straight up religiously. I think it's, it's interesting. And I, you mentioned on the car ride back from Nick's after we watched it, I totally forgot about it somehow, that they... The uh, Stanley, Stanley is John C. Riley's character. Okay, no, oh. Stanley. That's uh, Stanley's the kid. Stanley's the oh yeah, that's right. Stanley. I have such a hard time John with his name. John C. Riley's character. I always forget his name. Anyway, well, but his character, the, the police officer, his character. He's probably got a great name. It's uh, Jim. Officer Jim Curry. Jim Curry. He um, he's he's a religious person. You know, yeah. you see him praying and whatnot, and he prays. The one thing that you see him like begging God for is his gun back, and his gun falls yeah, from the yeah, sky yeah, with the true. frogs. Yeah. When we've seen it taken by that little the little kid before, yep. and and so I, I almost like just saying screw it, it's it's religious. I think that's almost more interesting than just being like you know what it was a. I almost like that better. It definitely lends itself to the weird kind of like, fairy taleness of the movie. Yeah, and like there was so there, like there was literally so much pain going on in the small that like there was so much nastiness and pain going on that God was like. Let's drop some frogs on these fools. Let's <laughs> drop some up. frogs. Yeah. Let's give them a reason to... Well, it's, it is interesting, you too, know. because... <laughs> after the fro- in, in the wake of the frog storm... Of frog storm. <laughs> frog uh, storm? Frog storm 99. Oh, my God. It sounds like Sharknado or something. <laughs> <laughs> in the wake of frog storm, everybody's stories are almost like... Like, a moment of closure arrives for, like, tons of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Either right in that moment or right after... And, you know, there's lots of symbolism regarding rain and water as, like, a cleansing and purifying agent. And frogs. <laughs> it's just weird. I'm sure you could draw some parallel to something that has to do with the way frogs evolve and, and, and the, the biblical symbolism of frogs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, throughout the movie, the, the like I said the night we watched it, the use of the phrase cats and dogs, is it's used, like, five or six times within a several minute span you hear tons of people going oh man it's cats and dogs out there yeah. and for it to literally rain an animal later is pretty interesting too <laughs> it's true yeah it's 
I love the frog scene. I always have. Like, I first time I watched the movie, I was like, "That's badass." I can't even explain. I think it. it's I think perfectly it's awesome. executed. When, when it's I walk, an insanely effective action sequence. Like, it's, <laughs> it is. It really is. So, it's intense. It looks so real still. When like, I walked away great. the first time after watching it, I remember this was the thing that I, where I was like, where I already at this point I was kind of zoned out of the movie. I'm, I, from what I remember, and this was just like, oh no, <laughs> I don't. It's kind of. It's almost kind of like how. Finally, acting maliciously in two thousand one, like you're you're enjoying this movie, you're watching it, and it's it's and it's burning slowly before you. And this moment happens where it makes you sit up and go, "Whoa!" Like even though this is way later in the movie, like you've yeah. seen two thousand one, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a long, long time. The moment ago. where where Hal's cool and everything's fine until you see him go for that one astronaut outside, and you're like, "Whoa, shit! What the?" And then you see from the other one's perspective, you see the other astronaut just get whipped by the window because Hal just chucked him. And you're like, whoa, it's a super creepy, like, mm. very, very jarring moment because the whole movie is so slow and beautiful. And then that part happens and it's totally unnatural and wild. It reminds me a lot of that where you, when that first frog whaps down, you, you jump up. <laughs> yeah. Like, even I did. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. And I knew totally. it was coming. But I always forget how it's just that first one huge <laughs> frog that just lands there. And you're like, and it's just, mm, just slides down <laughs> the windshield. It's so gross. So good. The shot. I mean, I think it's one of the coolest things in nature to actually observe, but when you see rain just coming at you as the yeah. clouds mm-hmm. over, when you see the frogs going, <laughs> coming, it's so awesome. It's pretty terrifying. It's so awesome. And watching it with like the surround sound in my living room yeah. really made it so good. Totally. I think one of the ways you could walk away from it, too, is that there were no frogs. Like, they, that's one thing that I thought about afterwards, too. I'm like, what if, there, what if it wasn't frogs? It was just like nobody acknowledges that it's frogs. Nobody's like, "Oh, hey, look at those frogs!" Like, True, it, everybody's like, kind of like it's, it's yeah. like it's like it's really, scraping them off the windshield. Yeah, it's like it's a really bad storm. So, like, what if what if hmm. the frogs are simply what if it was just a really horrible storm, like terrible, terrible storm, and it's just it fits thematically with the religious stuff you've seen before and with just the gravity of what's happening emotionally these people at the time it might as well be raining frogs like it's uh, you know what i mean i don't know that that's true i thought From of that like too. a metaphorical standpoint yeah maybe it's literally just that's just uh, an interesting filmmaking way to make you feel how important what's going on is. you know what i mean like yeah. how, how i don't know for clarification for gojo it is not raining frenchmen in the movie no <laughs> <laughs> they are actual frogs. We <laughs> just just falling down and you saying we we. Yeah, it's um. I think it's great, and I think it's really interesting to talk about. I know a lot of people dismiss it as just a really lazy, just Deus ex machina, just to make things happen. You're like, oh, and he couldn't think of what to do, so he was really drunk and was like, "Fuck it, it'll rain frogs in the movie. <laughs> That's what it's gonna be." And maybe Which it was. Another idea. Well, like <laughs> the quote, I think Willie pulled up a quote. See, see if you can find that quote, maybe. But. Okay. You know, I, I want to reiterate, too, like I did the other night, it's a miracle this movie was made. Like it's, Oh, totally. A movie like this probably would not get made today. Absolutely. And then the frog thing is even more, like, I feel like a studio would be like, hmm. Yeah, like no. I said to you, I was like, this movie was released rain. wide, right? Like, yeah. this movie came out, like, I, I remember people, like, going to see this. Which is insane, thinking about what I'd love studios, studios going to put a three-hour, eight-minute movie into theaters in about the first place. About people talking yes. and dying and making each other mad and upset. It's really... I think we could use a movie kind of like this like once a year, but I guess we, we do get a couple every year for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, PTA, if he releases a movie, it's kind of in this vein anyway, where it's a little... It's like the master is kind of similar. It's a lot of... It's very yeah. dialogue-heavy. It doesn't have a strong plot just follows characters around but man is he good at it even there will be blood is you know to an extent yeah. was it a review the the quote was it a review was it like a review on like no Rotten tomatoes it or was, was it made, a... like paul thomas anderson was like <laughs> he basically, that was a quote from him he says something like 
Sometimes you're just you're going along with your date, and then it's raining frogs. Yeah, like and your date like, just falls what? apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a really weird quote. It made it like the quote. The quote made it actually made me ponder what it meant more. <laughs> yeah. Like he did not do a good job of alleviating any sort of you know. Question. He's an interesting guy. I've watched a few interviews with him before. He's uh, he's funny. I remember watching one Q and A. I don't remember the question. I don't remember what movie it was for. But somebody asked him just a really bonehead question, and his expression was really weird. He was like. <laughs> you could see his brain like trying to answer, and then he was just like, "Nah," and just like waved him off. It was really funny. <laughs> I do have to say on record that I have to revise my top ten of the year. I I don't know how I missed over Inherent Vice, but man, oh man! After rewatching this too, it's Paul Thomas Anderson's next movie starring Joaquin Phoenix. Yes, once more, and sadly, no Philip Seymour Hoffman in this. Yeah, would have been good to go out with a PTA vehicle. Yeah, instead of Hunger Games. But what are you gonna hmm. do? It's alright. At least he was the best part of <laughs> the Hunger Games movie, in my opinion. He's always good. Yeah, it's really, it's really sad because he. I think this is a great movie to like. I don't regret choosing this as a tribute movie for him because he's he plays a really important character. Mm-hmm. I mean, he brings together two of the characters that need to be brought together the most. And his scene on the phone where he's talking about it is amazing, and he's very, very, very good in this movie. I do wish we had had time to talk or to watch and talk about Punch Drunk Love because I feel like that's. That's also a really great tribute movie for him. He's a, he's a bigger force in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't find it. But it, he basically, he didn't explain it well. <laughs> he just basically said that, and it was like, next question. He's like, but it rains frogs sometimes, so what, do you, uh, what else do you have? He's probably yeah. so sick of being asked about it. Probably. It's like, frogs People raining. come up to him and be like, hey, explain the frogs. It's probably like, I'm sure there's some famous literary illusion where people were always, can you explain it? No. No. Rosebud. Yes. Would you prefer if I made it like literally dogs? cats and dogs? <laughs> yeah, like actual cats and dogs. Would that have been better? Frogs for you? is perfect. It's so it's so bizarre. It just freaks you out. You're like, yeah, oh, this is weird. Yeah, is really weird. I even remember hearing about the frogs, and I I forgot about it when we sat down. I'm glad you did. Movie. I remember oh, hearing about the frogs too. back in the day, and wondering like, what is this? Is this movie trying to be like a like? I I had no concept of the movie. And I like, is it a fantasy or? What? I, well, I thought it was like a like almost like a literal modern retelling of the Old Testament or something mm. like. That. <laughs> it's like. What? <laughs> but no, it's. I think I definitely think the frogs are interesting, but I feel as though sometimes it does. It, like it, it, there's so much more to think about that I feel like it. It, it distracts from that a little bit. Yeah, and I, I think feel, it can. I think if you treat it the same way the characters do, where they're like, just accept it, yeah. drive through the frogs and <laughs> get home, crush the frogs. Oh, that's, there, there's a new thing. There, there's a new. Uh, it's like a blow the ice pack. This movie really crushed the frogs. <laughs> I mean, when did it rain frogs in this movie? Yeah. yeah. No, it's. I think it's a. It's a brilliant movie. I think it's. Uh, it's phenomenal. It is. It is quite good. I would say it's probably my favorite of his. It's his favorite of his too. Sorry, I just rewatched Boogie Nights, but it'd be hard to say. I don't know. All right. Well, I need to watch more PTA. But definitely. I think that wraps up. Have you seen There Will Be Blood, nope. This, and Master? Yep. Oh, you need to see Boogie Nights. Woo! That's a ride. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is a ride, too, but that one's like, good God. Boogie Nights is great. How much more deplorable can these human beings get? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for listening. Feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Let us know what you thought about this episode or any other episodes or anything. Uh, send it there. Talk to us. Talk to us on Facebook too. Please go follow us, Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. We'd like to 
talk with our audience. There's been a few people that have been talking to us on there, so that's cool as well. At MFN Podcast on Twitter, you can find our respective Twitter accounts on MidwestFilmNerds.com, where there's also full show notes for every episode. You can find out where the uh, time code for particular things we talk about are. You can skip over the spoiler section doing that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. At Mr. John, thank you for our artwork and, uh, and music. And, um... Kyle X-Y, go watch a movie.